Welcome to the Atmosphere Church Podcast. On behalf of all of us here at Atmosphere, thank you for downloading or streaming this message. Regardless of what you believe, where you come from, or what questions you might have, you are welcome here. Our desire is to help lead you in experiencing God by following Jesus. If you want to find out more information about us, head over to our website at atmosphere.church. We have already prayed for you that today's message would speak directly to your heart and empower you to live the life that God has called you to live. Enjoy the message. As you saw that video, we're talking about relationships still. This is the last of our three-part uh, series called Relationship Goals. And one thing that I've observed in this COVID season, and it's more than just the virus, it's, it's more than a lot of the unrest that we've been seeing. It, it's just, it's everything. It's like all of the above, right? Check all the boxes. It's taken its toll on a lot of different parts of our life, but it really has taken a toll on some of the relationships in our life. And we really felt like we wanted to take some time and address this uh, because a lot of people, when it comes to their relationships, don't really have any goals. And because of that, we've allowed culture to define our relationship goals. And we want to kind of take that back and we want to let God speak into the relationship goals with our lives and all the people that God has placed in our lives. And so I have my handy dandy bow and arrow, all right? So I, I went with the Nerf one so that I didn't injure any of you. But basically, the idea is a goal is something that we aim at, right? We, it's, a, it's an achievement. It's, it, it's a result of that which we're putting effort towards. And so we've talked about how we get the goal is we set the target, we fix our aim. And last week, we talked about energizing the effort. Oh, heads up. All right. Uh, almost took you out right there. Um, but uh, that's the idea. So today, in this last talk, I want to talk about probably the biggest thing that is in your life to sabotage you winning in the relationships that God has placed in your life. Because we really believe that God wants you winning in the relationships in your life. But the biggest sabotager are the words that come from your life into other people. So we wanna talk about winning with our words. And some of you that are new, we have this little cool thing because the screens are hard to read outside. So if you go to the YouVersion Bible app, there is a section on there called events and you can look up our church on there and you could follow along on our notes that we have listed there on the Bible app and that way you can follow along with us. But um, Kylie already prayed. I want to I give you, I want to start off by giving you a proverb. And we're going to be sharing many proverbs with you this morning when it comes to our words. And that's what I love about the book of Proverbs. There's so much wisdom. And most of the wisdom that is in Proverbs is how we use our words. Check this out. It says in Proverbs 18.21, the tongue can bring death or life, those who love to talk will reap the consequences. Don't you love that version? Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. How many of you still remember something negative that was spoken to you as a child? Raise your hand. 
Okay, just keep it up and just look around. Okay, I remember several things spoken to me as a child. And I don't know who created that, that motto, sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me. I don't know who said that or who, that was, that, that's fake news. That's the original fake news right there was, was words are super hurtful. And I love this proverb because it's saying that, that words can be helpful or hurtful. But for some reason, when words are, are negative in nature, they have a way of sticking against your life like no other positive words can. I still remember, I like probably weighed a, maybe 105 pounds as a freshman in high school. And I decided it was a good decision to go out for the tackle football team. I probably was like five foot two, 100 pounds, but see, my thought was I was really fast, and so as long as I could just outrun everybody, I would be okay. Never really played foot tackle football before. My older brother did, so I thought I would follow in his footsteps. And do you know, like one of the first practices, this is a true story, uh, I'm, go- I'm going out to practice, and the freshman football coach looks over at me and says, Cruz. How do those legs even hold you up? And, you know, as a 14-year-old boy, you're you're already insecure and awkward about everything, right? Now I have a coach that is actually, you know, confirming everything I've already thought in my head. Like, man, why did I inherit these genetically inferior legs from my mother, right? Why couldn't I have got my dad's legs? And so it was, it was a hurtful statement. It was true, because I had, you know, thin legs. And, but, but there's just some things that just don't need to be spoken. Hello, somebody. There are some things that are in your head that do not need to come out of your mouth. And we're, I'm going to get ahead of my, my points here today. But there is power in the words that you have that you can speak and that you can type into other people's lives. There's power to bring life to them, or unfortunately, sometimes there's power to bring death to them. I want to take us to a passage in James chapter 3. And the reason I, I want to talk about words, because it just seems like like when it comes to our relationships, a lot of the, the relationship drama that we have probably originated at some point by the words that we said or typed to that person that we're having issues with. And James gives us a look at this. And I love the book of James. We did a study, I think it was a year ago, through the book of James. And Chapter three is devoted to talking about the tongue specifically. And I love the book of James because it is like the most practical book of the Bible as far as how to be a follower of Jesus. If you're like in that place, you're like, what does it look like to be a follower of Jesus? I encourage you, read the book of James in addition to your other Bible reading this week and it's gonna really bless you. But let me start at verse two. It says, Indeed, we all make many mistakes. For if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit 
in its mouth, and a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go. Even though the winds are strong, in the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches. Another translation says it is a powerful thing. And then it goes on, it says, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is the whole world of wickedness, corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. Now, we live in an area that has been ravaged by fires. I was thinking this last year, the fire season that we went through in 2020. Some of you were following this fire. It's called the El Dorado Fire. It started up here in the San Bernardino Mountains. But what was so interesting about the El Dorado Fire, it wasn't started by some electric company. It was started, believe it or not, by a gender reveal celebration. This really happened. Labor Day weekend last year, a couple were out with their family and they wanted to reveal the gender of their coming baby. And they had this little igniter thing that went off that would kind of put the blue smoke or the pink smoke up there. And then when they did it, they, they caught the brush around it on fire and they they tried to douse it out with bottles of water to no avail. And then they called 911 and reported the fire. But at that point, because of the wind and everything that was going on, the fire got out of control quickly. Do you know that once the El Dorado fire was done, it had burned over 22,000 acres. It had destroyed and damaged at least a dozen structures, and it cost one firefighter his life. All because a little spark out of a gender reveal ignition switch. And I think, wow. James is saying that is what happens when words leave our lives and land on other people. It doesn't take much. And some of you that have been through some relationship drama and turbulence, you know it doesn't take a lot of words to get the damage moving quickly. I like what James is saying here, and I, and I want to summarize it by saying this. Words create worlds. Words, write that down. Words create worlds. What James is telling us here is the words that we use will determine the direction of our lives. And, and more specifically in this talk, it, the direction of the relationships for our lives, that our words have the power to direct everything in our lives. So because of this, I, I wanna give you the four factors through the Bible that have really helped me win with the words in my life. Not to say I'm perfect, but just to really help you guys understand what do we do with these words that God has given us and, and how do we properly use them? So I'm gonna give you the four factors that are gonna help you win with your words. And if you're taking notes, here's the first factor and it's probably the most important factor. 
is the heart. Write that down, the heart. The heart is a super important factor because Jesus said in the gospel of Luke chapter six that our words are an indicator of the condition of our heart. Luke 6, 44 and 45, it says, for each tree is known by its own fruit. As the wind turns my page. For men do not gather figs from thorns, nor do they pick grapes from a briar bush. The good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth what is good. And the evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth what is evil. For his mouth speaks from that which fills his heart. Another translation says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So Jesus is simplifying the issues that we have with our words. Some of you are great wordsmiths. Others of you, I mean, God has your number today. <laughs> you know, you may have never been to our church, and this happens to be the day you come. God's like, I've got something to say to you because you are losing with your words. But Jesus says, that the problem isn't necessarily with the tongue, but it's more having to do with our heart. That if we wanna change our words, it begins by changing our hearts. And when we change our heart, the words will follow. And I've seen this demonstrated in my own life. That, that this heart change that God allows me to experience not like in a one-time decision when I'm up at Hume Lake making a decision to follow Christ. Yes, does, does Jesus come and enter my life and, and fill me with this Holy Spirit? Absolutely. But my heart is continually being changed. Come on. It's my heart is not the same that it was a year ago. Or maybe even possibly I can go as far as say a month ago. Like God is in this process of changing my heart. And the more that God is changing my heart, the more he is helping change my words. So don't get so frustrated with the words that you keep typing and the words that you keep speaking. Peel it back a little bit deeper and I want you to focus on your heart. Because what, what needs to happen, if we're all honest with ourselves, we need a good heart soaking. And if our heart's get soaked with the right kinds of things and they marinate in the goodness of God, there's gonna be more goodness that comes from the words that we use. You know, each day before you start, take some time and soak your heart. Tweet that. Soak your heart. Now, now as followers of Jesus, God has given us the ability to soak it in a variety of different ways. And one of the biggest ways that you're gonna have a heart soaking is just being in the Bible. Just opening the Bible. Before, I would encourage you, before you even go talk to anybody, before you type out any emails or text messages, or please, before you post on Facebook, you know, just take some, just get into the Word of God. You know, every once in a while, I love to barbecue. And, and I can barbecue some, some good food. The food that tastes the best is the meat that I allow to marinate overnight. Oh, man, that, that, just absorb, that meat absorbs the flavors. I'm making you guys hungry, right? Just, just that marinate all night long, just, it just allows that, that dish to just soak in all the flavor. 
See, when we sit before God in his word, we, we are being marinated by the presence of God. Do you know that? And when, when you are being marinated in the presence of God, your heart is getting seasoned. It's, it's tasting better. And the more that your heart is getting seasoned, the more your words get seasoned as a byproduct of your heart getting seasoned. Are you tracking with me? So don't be as frustrated with your mouth or with your fingers that are posting and texting and tweeting and all that. Be a little bit more concerned with your heart because as you are are letting the presence of God just get more in your heart, the more impact it's going to have in your words. Now, another great way of marinating your heart is through worship. We can get really riled up in, in the car when we're going wherever we're going because of the traffic and because maybe we're late. We didn't leave margins in our time. And we can get so, so worked up and we get angry and we start yelling at people and yelling at the people in the car that can't hear you, but we are going to yell anyway. But even, even the people in our car, we're, we're yelling, we're a mess. What if we instead put worship music on? It's really you know, hard to get upset at people when you have... The music just is saying, you know, hey, God is forgiving you. God loves you. You have unsurpassable worth. It's hard. You can still do it, but it's a little bit more difficult. <laughs> All right? So you have worship, but then you have prayer. These are just the essential things that God's saying, hey, I, I want more of my presence in your heart so that you can have better word choices come in from your life so that you can help just breathe life into relationships and, and use that tongue and, and use those fingers for the good and not for the bad. So you pray and you ask God just to be with you, to help you, to give you the words to speak, you know, uh, to pray for your enemies. Have you ever thought about like when Jesus said, pray for your enemies? Love your enemies. Pray for those who, her, who persecute you. When you're praying for them, God is marinating your heart towards your enemies. Do you know that? He's marinating those, the, your heart towards those people that are doing injustices against your life. And, and he begins changing you. And your word, word choices begin to change because of that. Write this down. Now, here's number two. Here's the second factor. So you got the heart, but now you've got what I call the buildup. The buildup. Look at your neighbor and say the buildup. Now the buildup isn't what you might think it is. The buildup is actually another way of saying encouragement. That God has called us as his followers to use words that build other people up. Ephesians 4.29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Or out of your hands, I should say these days, right? But only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. We're building others up according to their needs, that they may benefit. So other translations use the word encouragement here. But the gist of it is, don't use your words to tear people down. Use your words to build people up. God has anointed you to be a CEO. 
He's anointed you to be a CEO, a chief encouragement officer. Come on, somebody. You're a CEO. Look at your neighbor right now. Say, you're a CEO. He's called you to be a CEO. You're a chief encouragement officer. Imagine waking up going, I'm the CEO today, and my job is to go around and encourage as many people as I possibly can because I am a child of God and I'm a follower of Jesus, so my job is to build people up and not tear people down. That's what we're talking about. It's the build up. I'm saying all this with that mic not even being on my mouth. Lord, thank you that you've given me an outside voice, all right? Okay, so Proverbs 16, 24. Check this out. I love this. Kind words are like honey, sweet to the soul, and healthy for the body. Now, come on. Some of you, you know the negative talk. Maybe it wasn't from your freshman football coach, but maybe it was from a parent. Maybe it was from another third grader on the playground. But positive words can be just as sticky, can't they? I'll never forget a moment in my life. I was in eighth grade. My parents were separated. My mom had an apartment. My dad stayed at the house. And I was hanging around a really rough group of people. And uh, in the 80s, we called them the stoners, right? So I, I hung out with the stoners and I, I was becoming a stoner, and I started failing all my classes. My mom and dad weren't together. My mom pretty much let me do whatever I wanted because I was the baby. Uh, so I got away with everything, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I feel sorry for you that are the oldest. You got away with nothing. But how many other babies of the family are, are representing today? Yeah, come on. You, we, we all know we got away with the way too much. So, so here, here's what I learned. I learned that... When my dad would speak something positive to me, I, I would respond to it. And I was failing my math class. I was getting an F. And the math teacher didn't get the memo that I was living with my mom. So he called my home and my dad picked up. And my dad ended up having this talk with my math teacher that I was failing. And so I get a phone call and... My dad didn't get upset. He didn't start yelling at me. He just said, son, your math teacher called, and he says you're failing your math class. And I go, yeah, I'm not doing well. He says, but I think you can do better. I, I think you're really good at math. I said, you think so? He goes, I know so. That's all he said. And then we got off the phone. And I don't know what it was exactly about that phone call, but it was like a switch went off in my head. And all I could hear is my dad saying, I know you could do better. And, and maybe it was that push to kind of make dad proud. I don't know what it was, but I went in a matter of six weeks, I went from an F to an A. And that continued throughout high school. I continued to crush math all the way into college. I got A's, 100% and all my tests. And, and I became like this math whiz. Now, don't ask me anymore because it's been a lot of years, all right? So, Rob, don't hold me to that, all right? Rob's a math teacher. But, but the power of our words to build people up, it can make a difference. I was reading about another teacher. She was teaching a private school in Minnesota years ago, and she had this one student, Mark Elkin, and, and he did, like, all kinds of 
stupid stuff that, that most boys do when they're in school, and she would get on him all the time, but he was the nicest kid when he'd get in trouble. And then she had him as a third grader, and then she had him again as a middle schooler. And while he was in her middle school class, the middle school class was all kind of rambunctious on a Friday, and she just got tired of it, and she said, time out. She said, I don't like how you guys are talking to each other. So I'm going to give you an impromptu assignment. So she said, I want you to, on the left column, I want you to write out every single student's name in this classroom on the left side. And so they all wrote out every student's name. And she said, okay, what I want you to do on the right side next to their name is I want you to write down something positive about that person that you appreciate and just write it down. So they all did the assignment and they turned it in to her. And then she took it home over the weekend and she took every student by name. She took all the positive comments that every other student in the classroom had told to them and put them on a new piece of paper. And then on Monday, handed the papers out to the students with all the positive things that the other students had said about them on a piece of paper. Well, fast forward years and years go by. She's coming home from vacation. She's at the airport. Mom and dad pick her up. And they said, "Hun, we... We have to tell you something. One of your former students was killed in combat and uh, the funeral's tomorrow and it was Mark Elkin. And so she was devastated by this and said, well, I'm gonna go to the funeral. So she goes to the funeral and at the reception after the funeral's done, Mark's father finds this teacher and says, hey, I, I, I'm so glad that you came here because Mark has something that, that they found on him when he was killed, and we just thought it was so wild. And, and he hands this teacher this torn up, folded, falling apart piece of paper that was the piece of paper that he received as a middle schooler from her class all these years before that. And he said, I wanted to give this to you because I don't know exactly what it was about this assignment, but Mark held onto this and it was dear to him. And then when the other students that were Mark's friends started hearing the father tell the story, they started sharing how they kept their list too. We're talking decades after this assignment was done. These middle schoolers were so moved by the positive words other students said about them, they kept it. One guy put it in his wedding album. Another lady put it in her diary. And this one guy says, I, I put it in my wallet and I look at it every day when I wake up first thing in the morning. These are adults that were moved because of words that were shared over them, positive words that built them up and they never forgot it. Your words that you speak over other people that build them up will never be forgotten. So let's be the builders, not the terrors, right? Proverbs 12, 18, the words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Jim Daly, who is the president of Focus on the Family, he wrote a book a few years ago called The Best Advice I Ever Got on Parenting. Incredible insights from well-known moms and dads. And as I was looking at this book, something really hit me. He said, one of the takeaways after interviewing all these moms and dads and their advice that they were given is he couldn't help but notice that 
the kids of these great moms and dads that, that would probably go on record and say, I had a great upbringing, I had a great childhood, all kind of had the same thing in, in common. They all struggled with feeling doubt that their parents loved them. And so what Jim says in this book is he says, parents, listen, you cannot tell your children enough how much you love them. Because the voice of their enemy, the voice of the adversary is in their ear telling them they're not enough and they are not loved. And we get to be the voices that come against the voices of the enemy that are speaking over our kids' lives. So parents, let me tell you, build your kids up. Let them know that you love them. Tell them every day, and you can't tell them it enough. That's, that's what we need to know about building up our families, building up our relationships. Let them know that you love them. Matter of fact, before I even move on to the next point, I just want to, I want to pause. Get your phones out, would you? Just get your phones out. Let, let's build up somebody right now in our life. Let's build them up. Let, let's just do a sabotage right now of good. Let, let's text somebody. Lord, put somebody in our heart right now that's on our contacts so that we might build them up right now. In Jesus' name, amen. So this is what I want you to do. I don't, I don't care exactly what you want to type, but, but I, want you to, I want you to text them something along the lines of, you mean so much to me. I love you so much. And hit send. Send that bad boy. Just send it out there. You mean so much to me. I love you so much. Or whatever you want to say, all right? But, but we can't encourage people enough. There, there's no limit on how much encouragement you could be dishing out to people because I believe there's always room for a little bit more encouragement, don't you? Is there a little bit more room in your life for some more encouragement? Yes. All right, number two, or number three, I should say. Is the filter. Write that down, the filter. <laughs> this is what I was alluding to earlier. One of the biggest ways that we can win with our words is not sharing all the words that cross our mind. Can I tell you a word with this word on words? <laughs> Just because you think it doesn't mean you have to speak it. Tweet that, all right? Just because it goes up in your mind and you're processing it and it's right there doesn't mean you have to post it. It doesn't mean you have to text it. It doesn't mean you have to tweet it. It doesn't mean that you have to speak it. Some words are best left in our heads. Come on, somebody. That's good preacher right there. Let it, let it just go. Let it go. Now, with that in mind, Oh, let me give you a couple of Proverbs here. Proverbs 13, verse 3. Guard your words and guard your life, but if you don't control your tongue, it will ruin everything. Guard your words. I like how the psalmist in 141, verse 3 says, Lord, set up a guard for my mouth. Keep watch at the door of my lips. So the psalmist is saying, basically, Lord, would you, would you put a, like a police officer right here <laughs> at my mouth so that if, if there are, there's a word that tries to get out, you'll just shut my mouth and lock it up and not let me speak it? How many of you have ever said a word and as soon as it left your mouth, you knew it was not gonna end well for you? 
Come on. Come on, let's be honest. We, you know, if, if we could jump out and catch a word, we would have done it. But we knew it's like as soon as it left, you're like, oh, that's not good. Can you imagine like, like God putting a police officer right there saying, oh, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. But see, here's the good news. As a follower of Jesus, we have the Holy Spirit helping us, convict us before those words leave our mouth saying, nah, I can't tell you how many times I've had a word in my head and I'm going to tell my wife, I'm going to tell my kids, I'm like, man, I'm going to do it. And all of a sudden the Holy Spirit's like, not so fast, Jimmy. Not so fast. Process that a little bit more, buddy. And I'll go back and I'll pray over it and those words will never leave my mouth. It's so good. Let me give you another proverb. Proverb 21, verse 23. Watch your words. Be careful what you say. And you'll be surprised by how few troubles you'll have. Watch your words and be careful what you say. And you'll be surprised by how few troubles you have. I like this acrostic. Think before I like to say, think before you word. It used to be think before you speak, but because of technology, it, it should be think before you type, think before you text. But just let's, let's just call it think before you word. Here, here's how we judge whether or not something should be said. T stands for, is this true? So before we speak, do we know it's true? There's a lot of, lot of information out there you know it's true. H is, is it helpful? Is this really going to be helpful for the person that I'm sending it to or I'm speaking with? I, is it inspiring? Is it going to encourage them and build them up and exhort them? N, is it necessary? Right there, that should cause us to never post on social media ever again. Is it necessary? And here's the last one, is it kind? Is it kind? If we install this filter, our life will be so much better off, and more importantly, our relationships will be so much healthier. I can't tell you how many times I've like spent like 15 minutes wordsmithing a text message, or like, like getting an email just right or a Facebook post just perfect. And then just right when I'm about ready to hit send, I look at it again and instead of hitting send, I hit the delete button. Because I just look at it and say, it's not necessary, it's not kind, it's not helpful, it's not, I don't even know if it's true. It's definitely not inspiring, so probably left unsaid unwritten, unposted. Here's the fourth one. Write this down. Number four is the delivery. Now this one for your pastor is probably the biggest struggle because how many know you can say something that's true, but you can say it in the wrong way to where it's not received correctly or rightly. It's the tone of the voice that you use it's even sometimes the mannerisms that are coming with it, the emotions, the energy that's behind it. I, I love this proverb, Proverb 15, verse 1. A gentle answer turns away rage, but a harsh 
word stirs up anger. There, there's emotions behind this proverb here. There, there's emotions that are saying, basically, there's, there's something in not just what we're saying, but, but how we're saying it. it it's, it's the tone. It's the delivery. Turn to your neighbor right now. Say, it's in the delivery. See, can I just, I'm going to be really, we like to be authentic here at Atmosphere. So if you're new here, you just got to get to know us in our personality. Some of you, you are saying the right thing, but your delivery sucks. I'm just going to say it right now, okay? It's just terrible. It's just terrible. It's real. I want to be real with you guys. Like, it's just, we need to help ourselves. Uh, UCLA just did a study. I found it very fascinating. They said that people and how we communicate, uh, that vocal dimensions account for up to 38% of the overall message that listeners receive. That's, that's about half. At least a third of how the person that you're speaking to is picking up based upon the tone that you're using. So that's why sometimes you could be saying the right thing, but you're, you're, you're mad and, and your words are, are riding on the energy of the anger. And even though what you're saying is right, the person on the other end, they're not hearing anything that you're saying because they are hearing the emotion behind the words that you're saying. Now, I, I had a big lesson in this, and I'm still learning. I've been married for almost 30 years, and I'm still learning. And it was about five years ago, my wife had to just correct me on something because she pointed something out that I, I didn't even understand I was doing. She said, I, I'm, I'm angry at you. And I said, why are you angry at me? I, I'm, I'm speaking something. She goes, because every time that you feel like you have to say something to me and that you, you want me to hear you, you slow your words down and you overpronunciate your words and you just have to tell me in a very pronunciated way and it irritates me she goes I feel like I'm five years old and you are kind of talking down to me and do you know that I didn't even notice I was doing that I said wow so another great thing, word pictures are really good sometimes. When she told me that, like I was like this parent talking to a five-year-old, that landed for me. And then I took it back and I was like, wow. In, in my defense, I wanted to really make sure she was understanding me. But the way she was receiving it as I was like making fun of her, like she was so childish in what she did. And, and I told her, I said, I'm sorry and I need to work on that. My delivery really sucks. And I had to pray over that and I'm continuing to be molded by God on that. But it's in the delivery. See, this is why when, when you're in a conflict, this is just practical stuff, all right? I can't give you a Bible verse for this because texting wasn't a thing in the Bible. But some of you, if there's an emotional conflict going on in a relationship, the last thing you should do is send a text or an email out. Here's why. Here's why. 
because there's zero emotion on that email and text. And guess what? The, re- the receiver gets to fill in the emotion themselves. And your receiver, if they're especially in this place where they feel this thing is a conflict, they will fill it in with something negative. They will fill it in with an energy that is bad, that is worse than what it really is. So those things, those kind of conversations need to happen, you know, in person at, at, at like worse, like it should be like a FaceTime where it's, somebody can hear the tone of your voice and see the expressions on your face. But don't, don't text message somebody or, or give them a direct message that, that's a conflict. Is, does that make sense to you guys? I mean, sometimes... I know we, we come in here for great spiritual truths and sometimes we just need to look at this thing practically. Like God wants us winning in our relationships and it's time that we stop sabotaging the very thing that God wants us to have victory in. He wants you to have victory in your relationships and he's giving you a spirit to live inside of you to help you. Would you stand to your feet? We are going to let our words be used right now to glorify God in heaven. We're going to let our hearts marinate in the presence of his glory so that we can have better words coming from our lives to build people up, to filter the wrong things out, and to be better deliverers of what God wants to say through us to other people. Father, we worship you, Lord. We honor you, God, with our lips right now, and we sing these songs making a declaration that, Lord, you are greater and you are holy, and you are amazing, and that, God, you have given us your spirit to live on the inside, to change us from the inside out. So continue to do that beautiful work as we worship you. Let's worship, church. Thank you for tuning in today to another great message from Atmosphere Church. If this message has spoken to your heart, would you take a moment and share it with your friends? You can connect with us on Spotify, iTunes Podcast, YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. Simply do a search for Atmosphere Church through these various platforms, and then click the follow or subscribe buttons. It's another great way for us to be able to stay connected with you. If you live in the Southern California area, we would love to invite you to be a part of our family. For more information about our church, go to our official website at atmosphere.church. Finally, if this service and our other resources bless you, would you consider giving back to Atmosphere Church to support not just these things, but to also support the creation of even more resources for you? To make a donation, simply go to our website and click the link that says Give. Your gift of any amount is greatly appreciated. Until next time, we pray you will keep the faith, spread the hope, and live the love.